Jesus, you change everything.
right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touch the lepers then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. walk on water. Lord, I pray that we will keep our eyes locked on you, the one who can make a way where there's no other way, the one who can change our circumstances. You moved in power then, God, and we ask that you would move in power now. knowing that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meet us where we are, Lord. Come and have your way. Change our hearts, Lord. Teach us to be like you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. The one whose yoke is easy and burden is oh so light. The one who first chose me. We just thank you, God, for who you are, for what you're doing. Hallelujah. Amen. He is so good. We just, we love you, Lord. I just can't, we love him. We love you, Father. There is no one like you. so thankful that he's still changing lives that he hasn't stopped working and he's not going to amen well we're glad to have you here if you would just go around and greet some of your family of faith tonight kids you're dismissed and i hope you have a good time
right. Well, hi, everybody. Hi, hi everybody online, wherever you're watching from. It's good to have you. I was just getting a tutorial on braids and hairstyles, which I know nothing about. Anyways, uh, that's what was going on there. I just said to somebody, nice pigtails, and they say they're not pigtails, it's braids. Whatever. Excuse me. Whatever. <laughs> it's good to have you tonight. Um, uh, let's take up tithe and offering. Uh, offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. If there's not one there and you want one, Mr. Mike will have one for you. Just wave your hand around and he will find you. Um, but thank you for your faithfulness in your giving. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have somebody pray over offering tonight. about that? Drew Brown. It just You stay right there. Stand up at your seat. I'm going to have Drew pray over offering. When Drew, Drew's done praying, you can bring it down front. Oh, yeah, shoot, man. Hey, man, thank you, Drew. Bring it on down. Uh, I didn't open with announcements tonight, but I'll give you a couple real quick. Don't forget, if you're interested in the whole Christmas shoebox, uh, ordeal, see Bill and Patsy, okay? They got all the information. They know way more than I know, so you just go ask them about it. Uh, don't forget, uh, October the 15th, that's a week from this Sunday, 6 o'clock, Youth Hangout Squared for 5th to 12th grade. Uh, it'll be a time where they have their own worship, a message. We'll be right here in the sanctuary, give them a little more room to spread their wings and, and uh, invite their friends out. So that's October 15th at 6 o'clock right here. And then, ladies, how many ladies in the house? Yeah, all the ladies, uh, October the 28th at 6 o'clock, we have a bonfire, our annual yearly uh, women's bonfire at the Brown Residence. And if you want to know how to get there, talk to Drew, and he'll help you out, okay? Uh, but that's going to be a good time. And all you got to do is, what are they supposed to bring? Something, to, Some food to share that's kind of fall kind of food. Fall theme, so whatever that means, all right? So, uh what is fall thing? All I know is and I, I just messed up with the pigtails and braids. I'm not even going to try to say what that is. So, <laughs> Pumpkin stuff. Chili. You can bring stuff to... If you want to bring some sort of animal and cook it over the fire. I don't know. Let's do something. Hit, hit a squirrel on the way in. Bring it over. I'm kidding. Huh? A step too far? Squirrel's good. How many of you have ever eaten squirrel? It's good. What are you talking about? Step too far. My goodness. <laughs> I, so one time, uh, I don't rabbit hunt uh, every year, but one year I went out with some guys and I brought home some rabbits that, that I, I took with my shotgun. And... Uh, I've never cleaned a rabbit. I've cleaned tons of deer. You think getting down to a rabbit, but since if you've never done it before, you just have to figure it out. But I don't know why, but I took the rabbits into the kitchen and started dealing with them. And she was upstairs. I don't know what she was doing. And listen, it looked like a murder happened in that kitchen. It just was, it was just so bad. I was the whole time I'm thinking, please don't come downstairs. Please don't come downstairs. Please don't come downstairs. But, but we end up with rabbit stew. It's pretty good, except I, I did get one pellet when I was eating, you know. But anyway, it was, it was good. It was good. Anyways, get your Bibles out. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew chapter number five. And uh, we're still, uh, and we're going to be in this for a little bit. Things you ask for. The, these are uh, subjects that were brought up in the survey we did a couple months ago here at the church. And so I'm just... Uh, I won't get to all of them, but I will get through a handful of, of some of the things that were just asked if I, I would uh, share about and talk about. So Wednesdays, that's what we're doing, things you ask for. So uh, we started talking about forgiveness. Somebody asked just, just about forgiveness. And it's a subject that comes up a lot in the church. But you can't talk about forgiveness enough because of how important it is in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, one way you can say, is, is founded on forgiveness. Because your entrance into the kingdom of God is through salvation, 
right? But you can't be saved unless you're forgiven. Because salvation is not for somebody who doesn't think they don't need forgiven. And I've heard people say that before. I don't need forgiven. What do I need forgiven for? Well, you'll never have need of a Savior if you don't believe you need forgiven. You see, I'm getting that. So forgiveness is, is the foundation of the kingdom of God or, or the work of God in our lives, in, in our world. So one way you can uh, think about it is God is healing our world through forgiveness. One way that God heals the world is through forgiveness, okay? Uh, and you think uh, of, I think Jesus made seven, I think seven different statements while he hung on the cross, if you, if you jump into the different gospels and kind of pull them all together. He made seven statements while he was on the cross, seven or eight, I think it's seven. And one of the statements that kind of sums up the work of the cross is, Father, forgive them as he's hanging on the cross, after all the things that he just went through, and he's dying on the cross, he's giving his life, Father, forgive them, them, for they don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. They don't understand what they're doing here. And so forgiveness is one way we can kind of look at the work of the cross and sum up the work of the cross, and this is how God is healing the world is through forgiveness, because in forgiveness then comes reconciliation, and that's relationship restored with God. Amen. So... Forgiveness is important, but when we spent last week talking about learning how to forgive other people. You've got to catch the heart of God. If you're not catching the heart of God, you'll never catch the heart of forgiveness, right? Because forgiveness isn't easy, and it's not, not generally our natural reaction to things that happen in life. So catching the heart of God is so important to understanding forgiveness and, and one of the ways that we learn how to forgive is through our own experience of being forgiven. You can think about it that way. So if you, if you want to catch the heart of God, start thinking about how he treats you. Amen, right? And one of the ways he treats you is because of love, he forgives, and that's because of mercy, his grace, Right? So forgiveness is given to us. And how many of you are in his forgiveness? Well, everybody, if you're saved, you've been forgiven. And you, you catch the heart of God. You learn how to forgive through your experience of being forgiven and the ongoing work of forgiveness in your life. And you have to think about these things and not forget those things. Now, I'm saved. I've been saved for a long time, if you want to use that churchy word, saved. Um, I, I don't count myself as a sinner anymore because I'm saved, right? But yet I understand uh, I'm only a thought away or a step away or an action away from sin. So I understand where I'm at that way, but I also understand where I've come from, and I don't forget that. And I only am, am where I'm standing today in him because of forgiveness. And I remember that. I think about that. I start to catch the heart of God and it starts to teach me, it helps me then in how I am towards other people when it comes to forgiveness. Because, uh, you don't turn there, Colossians 3.13 says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And let me tell you something, that is a big, huge, giant statement. I mean, Paul's just laying it out right there, look. And he's echoing things that Jesus said, we, we brought these up last week. Look, look, uh, if you want forgiven... The Father forgives those who forgive others. But if you won't forgive other people, then you jeopardize your forgiveness. And, and Jesus is very strong in those statements. And Paul echoes it. Look, you have to learn how to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. So last week we were talking about, well, how many times? Remember, remember Peter brings it up. He's sort of trying to justify. Well, how, many, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister? And Jesus is like, okay, uh, 77 times, other translations, 70 times. Seven, in other words, it, it, it's not I start keeping a tally until I hit a certain point, but unlimited forgiveness is the heart of God. How many of you have lived in that un, unlimited forgiveness? Well, yeah, yeah, because uh, it, as we live life, I'm saved, but yet I ain't perfect. And I rely on his, I, I don't abuse his forgiveness. Paul writes that, Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. He says, okay, so we know where sin is, grace abounds all the more, right? 
But just because that happens doesn't mean you can keep on sinning so grace abounds. He said, by no means. That, that's, that's not right. But yet the grace is still there when I do make mistakes. That's the forgiveness of God. So we learn how to forgive through our own experience of being forgiven. So yes, it happened, whatever happened to you. And yes, it hurt. And it did matter. And forgiveness doesn't say you minimize it. And forgiveness never says you forget about it either, by the way. What forgiveness says is I'm catching the heart of God. Now I'm learning how to respond as he would to that situation or person or maybe ongoing circumstance that has happened or whatever it is. That's the heart of God. And what it does is then it allows both parties to have the possibility of new life that God provides. Because what has forgiveness afforded you? New creation. Old man gone, new man come. Forgiveness has afforded you the possibility of new life, but you can't keep that to yourself. If you have the heart of God, you will catch the need and certainly then desire that other people find freedom and new life also. And even if that means that you forgive. See what I'm saying? Because that forgiveness does a whole lot of stuff, not only for yourself, but for another person. So hatred, because of things that have happened to us, no matter how justifiable it seems, all that will ever do is fuel a fire of a never-ending cycle of revenge. Because forgiveness and revenge go hand in hand. One begins to deal with the other. What forgiveness does is it puts the burden on God to judge. So you don't have to do that yourself. And it's very important for you. You don't have to carry it anymore. It's a burden. So forgiveness allows God to do what he needs to do. And if God chooses not to do anything, you need to be good with that. And that's not easy. Right? So, so going here, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, Sermon on the Mount, says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces to go one mile, and this is talking about some Roman law that was there, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Then it rolls in this whole thing about enemies. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And, and all this leads down to verse 48, if you want to jump there. You must therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I've heard that verse cherry-picked out of its context a hundred times in messages. And they start talking about your moral upstanding. You must learn to be perfect in how you live. What Jesus is getting at here, if you want to be perfect like the Father, you must learn how to love your enemy. That's the context. See that? And Jesus starts talking about your enemy right after he deals with this whole thing about revenge. If somebody slaps you on the face, turn them the other cheek as well. And that stuff is hard right? Because, again, if you're not catching the heart of God, 
you'll never catch the heart of why Jesus says the things that he says. If you are bent on revenge, you'll never forgive. Let me say that again. If you're bent on revenge, you will never forgive. And your attitude can't be, I'll forgive after I get my revenge. Jesus doesn't give you that leeway right here. Again, this is catching the heart of God. This is, again, this is the stuff that when we read it, we immediately respond, man, I don't know about that. That's hard. That rubs me the wrong way. Not how I was raised. That's not what I see in society. But yet, remember, Jesus fully lived everything he taught. So when he was accused, the Bible says he didn't even respond, didn't even open his mouth. When he was being beaten and crucified, he could have called the legions of angels, and he did not. And right before the end of it, after all that happened, his response wasn't retaliation, it wasn't revenge, it was, Father, forgive them, but they don't really know what they're doing. So when you catch the heart of God, when somebody treats you in a way that is not good, in essence, at its root, they've been blinded by the enemy. They don't know what they're doing, or they wouldn't do it. Catch the heart of God. That's hard. Not easy. But this is the radical forgiveness that we're being taught in the Scriptures. Now, whenever we talk about this stuff... I, everybody eventually, you leave here and you start thinking of all these hypotheticals. Well, what if this happened? Well, what if that happened? What, oh, I get it. I understand. You're going to want to walk through all your hypotheticals about how to respond. But your hypotheticals are never an excuse not to catch the heart of God and learn how to respond the way we're taught. Because that is the Jesus way, and his way is the best way. Amen. And this is where he's leading us. So when you were wronged, you must learn to stop the cycle of wrong by not doing what was done to you, which only escalates it. If you do, you only become what hurt you. You think about that. There's a cycle of wrong that happens in the world that Jesus gave an example of how to deal with it when he went to the cross for something he didn't deserve. Amen. And the only reason that we can be forgiven of our sin is because of what Jesus did in that moment. There's a book, I'd encourage you to, it up. It's called Tale of Three Kings. Whenever I have interns that want to be in ministry, uh, I always make them read this book. It's, it's a small book. It's, I think uh, Gene Edwards, I think, or Edwards is the author's. And it, it, it's the story of Saul and David and Absalom. But what he does is he takes a story, then he writes in between the lines of the Bible, conversations and thoughts and things like this. But a premise of the story is, remember how Saul treated David. Then here comes Absalom to take the kingdom, which, which, by the way, was judgment from God for what he did with Bathsheba. That's a whole other story. But the premise of the book is something that David learned was, if I treat Absalom the way Saul treated me, all I become is Saul. And that's not what God was asking for him. See, when you get stuck in a cycle of revenge, all you were doing is becoming what you thought hurt you so bad, and that's not what you want to be. You want to be Christ-like in your response. And it takes the grasping of the heart of God to not only do it, but want to do it. Because I guarantee everybody in this room has been hurt. 
I guarantee everybody in this room's had things happen to you that were not fair. Some things happen to you because you dialed up. Let's just be honest. But there's something that happened to you that were not fair. Life's not going to be fair, but yet we're still called to live the way Jesus calls us to live. Right? So, this, when we do this, this puts the burden of justice on God, and your enemy or the person that does what they do, they're actually rewarded with love and prayer. Oh, my goodness. That's rough. Now, you can look at what are called the imprecatory psalms. You ever read through the psalms? Remember, I challenge you every day to read a psalm, right? You get some psalms in there where David's saying, God, break the jaw of my enemy. That's the imprecatory psalms. I, I pray that you dash their children to the rocks. I mean, it says, <laughs> David says all sorts of stuff like that. But notice in the end, even when he says that stuff, ultimately he turns it over to God for God to do what he's going to do. It's the way the Psalms always end up. So to, to bring your angst and anger to God about things, yes. But then give it to him and let him give you his heart. I, I, I brought some stuff to God. I'm not even sure I'd call it prayer because I'm just mad. Wasn't, wasn't nothing sacred and special about it. It's just me coming to God and saying, look, man, <laughs> I'm upset. And you need to help me. But if you don't help me, I'm going to help myself, and it's going to be problems. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But I do that because I, I'm, I'm trying just to unload it to him, take my burden now, what would you really have me do? Instill, instill your heart in me. But again, some of you don't pray first. You act first, and it turns out bad. You respond in your anger, and you respond in your hurts, and you respond because, well, something has happened to you. And at times, we have to take a step back and... and Okay, God, what, what is it that you would like me to do? See, the perfection of God found in what Jesus is saying is then how we love our enemies. So you know, you know that uh, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. So the test case of loving your neighbor is what do you do with your enemy? Because your enemy is within the whole neighbor thing. That's the test case. Well, yeah, I love my neighbor. Do you? Really? Have you seen that meme where the guy's going, you sure about that? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You sure about that? I, I think about that. You know, I, I love all my neighbors. I love everybody. You sure about that? Really sure about that? Right? Because the neighborhood... Maybe I put it this way, you can think about this politically, maybe I shouldn't say this. The neighborhood doesn't have a fence around it, so you can keep out who you want out. Scripturally. The neighborhood is people, humanity. I'm to love my neighbor, humanity, as myself, because that's like it goes hand in hand, loving God with all of my heart soul, my mind, my strength. They go hand in hand. You can't separate them. I love God with everything I have. Why? Because I want to capture his heart. Because when I start to capture the heart of God, then he will teach me how to love others properly. Right? And when he shows me how to love other people properly, then he says things like, well, you got to love your enemy and pray for him. Really? Somebody slaps you, no revenge. Don't get stuck on revenge. He, he's trying to teach you. You say, well, why would I do that? Because this is how I heal the world. You want to help me heal the world? Yes. 
that this, this incredible forgiveness that we would offer somebody else simply because I learn it because of how I've been forgiven. And God is healing my life with forgiveness. And he's saying, now turn around and help me heal the world by being an agent of me in the world with your forgiveness. You see what I'm getting at? He's teaching us something. He's showing us. This is how it works. That's the kingdom of God. That is how the reign and rule of God comes to this world. Why? I just wish he would just show up on the white horse with the tattoo and the whole thing and just kill everybody now. That's, uh, put the kingdom in that way. Right? No. You don't even take that literally anyway because it's a big sword that comes out of his mouth. And what's the sword representative? His word. He lays the nation low with his word. But until he does it, and by the way, when he does that, it will be in perfect justice. It will be in perfect judgment, and you and I don't have the capacity for that. We do not have the capacity for it. That's why when you forgive, you turn it over to him and let him in his wisdom, in his knowledge which is above ours, deal with it. If there needs to be some reaping and sowing, he'll make it happen. Right? I mean, what I'm getting at. You turn it over to him. And let him be God, and you not try to take his place. Because when you put exacting judgment on somebody, you're trying to take God's place. Right? So our response is to learn, even when it's hard, how to forgive. Stop retaliation. What if they come out on top? Did Jesus come out on top when he was crucified? Not in the moment he didn't. But did he? Yep. What's your future? You, you believe that much in the kingdom to come? Well, it's okay if it doesn't seem like you come out on top right now. You know that? That's why Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, for they were what? Inherit the earth. It's not blessed are the strongest and, and, and the ones that are able to wipe everybody else out that are going to get the earth. No, the meek will eventually get the earth. That, that's new heaven, new earth stuff. Do the meek always get the earth now? Nope. But you're gonna. You will. Listen, I'm aiming for that. I'm not entirely concerned about this, if you see what I'm getting at. I'm aiming for that. That means sometimes it doesn't feel like it works out here. I'm okay with that. Because I'm aiming for that. Right? And one of the ways that helps you aim for that is learning how to forgive now. These are hard things of the kingdom. But, but again, if this is this, Jesus says, follow me, pick up, pick up your cross, and do what when you do it? Deny yourself, and in that you what? You die. Because the only way you gain true life is to do what? Die. But you'll never allow yourself to die if you're just trying to win all the time and have revenge on everybody and get out on top all the time. Right? Give your life up. Have you ever, uh, this thing going around on the internet lately where ladies are asking guys, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Have you seen that? I mean, I've seen it. It's just a thing going around. So apparently men think about the Roman Empire a lot. I don't know. It's a question that's on the internet. Joe, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Okay, anyway. I think about the Roman Empire all the time. Because you can't understand the New Testament if you don't know the Roman Empire. Okay, so when, when the disciples heard Jesus say to them, because they lived in the Roman Empire, pick up your cross, you know what they thought? 
we're going to get crucified for this. And they weren't thinking spiritually. There was no spiritual context to that. They were thinking literally, we're going to die a execution. Right? They knew the Roman Empire. They were there. They saw people crucified pretty frequently. Jesus was not the only guy that was crucified in history. Romans crucified thousands of people. And they saw it. They lined the streets with them. There, there was one particular rebellion where they lined the roads with people that were crucified. You got to walk by them to go anywhere. The context of the Roman Empire, pick up your cross, I am physically going to die. And then he said, now look, you want to follow me? You're going to pick up your cross. You're going to deny yourself. And you're going to have to lose your life in order to have life. Right? And their context was, my being's going to be killed. But the amazing thing about the disciples is they still followed him. Now, now, when what actually happened with Jesus, they scattered. But at the moment, they still went with him. You lose your life and you deny yourself when you start to do things like not retaliate but learn how to forgive. That, that's part of this, this becoming like Jesus. These are the hard things when you really, we, th we think of, deny yourself, we often think of, well, I shouldn't sin. So I can't, I shouldn't do this, this, deny myself. True. But denying yourself gets into some of the deeper things like the need for retaliation. Right? Denying yourself is my desire to be right and have my way and pay back. I deny that and instead I forgive. Because I'm catching the heart of Jesus. Right? We, we got to start thinking and, and contemplating on a little bit of a deeper level sometimes about some of this stuff. We think so surface about it. That's just hard. I'm not sure if I can do it. We'll just see if it ever comes up if I'll respond that way. No, 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 no. Catch the heart of God. Learn the heart of God. See what he's saying in this stuff. Because it's, it's not just about a situation if somebody literally slaps you in the head. It's about an approach to life that he's getting at. Right? That's what he's after. He's after your whole being with these kind of things. And that is the only way that he was able to go to a cross, endure what he endured, going through it willingly, only to say, Father, forgive them. The only way it happened. Because at any point in the way, he could have said no. And at Gethsemane, he struggled. He wrestled with it. Is it look, look, Lord, God, Father, is there any way we can do this another way? Can we pass the cup and do, do something different? And he comes to submit, deny himself, and submit to the cross. And where forgiveness is found. Because if Jesus didn't do it, we'd all be in big trouble right now. So he's healing this world. But the thing about God is then whatever he's doing in the world, he invites us to be in it with him. But the only way you can really be in it with him if you do it his way. If you try to do it any other way, it's really not the kingdom of God. It's your way, your thoughts, man's ways, and it falls short. So, so if I want to be in on the business of helping God heal the world, I have to learn how to forgive and, and do it radically. I mean, I want to say it's reckless, but you understand what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's just there in the denial of yourself. So I'm, I'm not going to keep on with forgiveness next Wednesday. We'll, we'll jump into something else. So here, here's, the, here's the challenge. What do you need to lay down? What do you have to let go? What burden are you still carrying because of something that has happened or maybe even currently happening? What things must you give over to God and let him be the one that deals with it? What ways can you deny yourself 
and really honestly from the heart begin to offer forgiveness. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to feel it emotionally for the most part. You're just going to have to learn how to forgive. And through a process of healing, the Holy Spirit can work with that. But, but if you're not willing to forgive, the Holy Spirit can't get in. Again, forgiveness offers healing. He can't heal you. And it's, it's not a scar with a testimony. It's an open wound that festers. It's nasty. So uh, when I was in Pennsylvania uh, kayaking and fishing in June, we got out and did some hiking. I was climbing up over a rock, and I banged my shin on the rock. Cut my leg open. Didn't think anything of it. But then I was down in the river water. It got infected. I'm talking my, <laughs> you didn't see I was wearing pants. There was this red, it was about that big, it was growing. And it was puffy. You know, it's not good. Pretty nasty. And I was on some massive horse pill, whatever it was, for a little bit. And if that would have kept going, I could have been in some serious trouble. That would have got in my blood. Infections aren't good like that. And actually, you know, what, what river was it? Allegheny and Pennsylvania. They're looking it up, making sure there's nothing that they know of that's in the water there. That's yeah, whatever. That's what happens with unforgiveness in your life. It grows. It builds bitterness. It makes you jaded. It carries things towards other people. It infects you. You've got to be willing to let it go. Listen to me. Let God be God. He's good at his job. I, I would say this when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Look, the Holy Spirit's a big boy. He, we have a step stool over there by the water fountain. He don't need it. You don't have to get up on the stage. He's a big boy. God, God is God. He, he's a big boy. He will do his job. He will judge justly. He will judge righteously. He will do everything that he needs to do at the same time trying to save their soul. Amen? So give it to him. And you'll be amazed at the freedom you start to feel in your life. You, I can breathe easy about that, and I haven't breathed easy about that in years. That just bugs me. Every time it comes up in my heart, you'll start to let go of that stuff. You're out and about, and you see a person. So I I told you, I'll close with the story. It's 8 o'clock. I told you a story years ago. I've I've said this story. Uh, There was was, the first church I was youth pastor at. um, The guy that hired me in was the guy that also was involved in raising me up in ministry, spent a lot of time with me. I was there just a year and a half, and he left and installed another guy as the senior pastor. And he and I just didn't click. And one day, he brought me into his office, sat me down, and started telling me everything he didn't like about me. And it was a list. He was about halfway through the list. He goes, why aren't you writing this down? Sorry, this is before cell phones. So I went and got a pad of paper, I can't, one of those yellow pads with the green stripe, and he started over. So I could write down everything he didn't like, and it was like more than 10 things around there, just a list. Now, I don't mind being corrected by people in authority, but my goodness. And I remember walking out just like, just like really? And I didn't, need, I didn't tell her about this for years. I, I never told her, because I just didn't want to bring that to her. That every time she came to church, she'd be mad. I didn't want to do it. I just kind of... But I said, but in my heart, I'm going, I'm leaving, Lord. I'm out of here. Kick this bucket goodbye. The Lord said, no, don't leave. It's frustrating. Anyways, I ended up coming, and I left that church, and, and I come into the Baptist church and all that kind of stuff. Years later, I was back in Pennsylvania. I'm in the mall, and I run into the guy. And I remember when I saw him, my reaction was, oh, I'd just like to punch you right in the face. I'm being honest with you. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm just like, 
I don't work for you no more. I'm not connected to that church, but I'd like to lay you out right now. That's just what I felt. It just rose up in my heart. And he saw me. He's like, hey. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. We're not, we're not going there. But the Lord started to teach me. And because when I went to the church over here, when I met with Pastor Dosek, I said, look, I talked to him a little bit. I said, but if, if I'm ever treated like that again, I quit ministry. I'll go work a job. I'll never work in the church. Again. I'm just not doing that anymore. And I remember Pastor talking to me about it. And he, he helped me start to get a grasp on the situation, but then let it go. Let it go. Because what good does it do me to hold something? Because really, he was trying to do something good for me, but he didn't know what he was doing. If that makes sense. So why hold it against him? You learn how to forgive. Now, now since he's passed away, and uh, I never really got a chance to, in my heart, I don't say reconcile the situation, but you know what I'm saying. And I wish I did. Because that was a moment, but there were other good things too. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to live dragging things behind me that have happened to me. I don't want to live that way. I want to be free. But you'll never be free until you start to forgive. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Well, I'm, I'm closing out. I, th I think maybe some of you right away immediately in your mind, you're like, okay, that person, that situation, Lord, help me. And, and I pray that you start to give these things to him. And when they crop back up in your life, you just keep saying, Lord, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. Lord, I let go. Lord, I don't carry this. Lord, you got, you got to keep going. Amen? Lord, Lord, help us forgive. Help us catch your heart. Help us to be like you. Help us, Jesus. Lord, these are, these are hard things, but it's the Jesus way. Lord, these are hard things, but it is the best way. Lord, these are hard things, but it's how you heal the world. And we want to be a part of it. It's part of our being a light. Lord, I pray that for those of us that are struggling with this, the Holy Spirit, you help us. And you begin to, to teach us. You begin to uh, instill into us something new, Lord, that just, just captures us in a certain way. Lord, we can let go, and if necessary, in a, in a context of, of reconciliation or, or at least just being freeing and forgiving to somebody else that that happens. It's part of the process, Lord. We want to be your people and we want to be like you. We want to be like you. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen, amen. All right, Sunday morning, invite a whole bunch of people out. We'll see you uh, this weekend and next Wednesday. We'll jump on a new subject on things you asked for. <laughs>